Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to a brand new message from our series, Counterfeit Gods. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Let's give Jesus some praise. If you um, don't mind staying standing for a second, uh, we're just going to continue in worship here. I'm just going to read a passage of scripture, Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any comfort, and if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value yourselves, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you, to the interests of others in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. There we go. We got vibes at the very end. For Christ Jesus, for Jesus, for Jesus, for Jesus. Um, I want to call this message. Uh, the screen's going to say the the power pull, but I kind of like the pull of power better. The pull of power. So if uh, you're taking notes, the power pull, the pull of power, whatever you want to call it. Um, Can we clap our hands one more time? You guys can be seated. So glad you could be here. Hey, anyone uh, just excited to be in church today? Come on, anyone love Jesus today? So good. We're, uh, we're wrapping up a series this morning called Counterfeit Gods, and we've been uh, in this series for five weeks just by, you know, some noise, round of applause. Anyone uh, been here for this series? Has uh, anyone found this stuff helpful? A few people? Uh, if you guys have missed it or if you're new here, what we're doing in this series is we're trying to expose and uh, just really pull out some idols Um, or we call them counterfeit gods in this series, Uh, things which we have said uh, that we look to in order to give us something that in reality only God can actually give us. That's been our definition of an idol or a counterfeit god this series, is looking to anything that we are hoping to give us something which in reality only Jesus can give us. And uh, we've been in this series, as I said, for four weeks. This is week number five. So, uh, We've looked at really two big concepts so far. We looked at sex. Anyone enjoy that? Counterfeit God of sex. Uh, what we've said in, that, uh, in those messages, it was two messages, we said that the issue with sex is that uh, what we do oftentimes is that instead of looking at the creator, we just worship creation. And anytime we worship the creation instead of the creator, we are setting ourselves up uh, to uh, worship a counterfeit God and more so setting ourselves up for uh, putting our hope in something that will not give us hope. Last week, we talked about money, uh, the debt trap, uh, just talked about how oftentimes our financial issues, most specifically debt, uh, can actually, although not be sinful, can act as sin. We said Jesus came to free us from the power of sin. Money many times causes a chasm, causes a gap that makes us feel uh, as if we are in sin. So just letting you guys know, that's kind of where we've been. If you've missed those messages, everything is online, YouTube, and uh, also our podcast. Shout out to the podcast. Uh, any of you guys in here prefer podcasts that you guys listen to, if you, if you catch up? A couple people? No one? Um, <laughs> Uh, statistics don't lie, though, and I pay attention. We actually get more people that listen than watch. I, I guess you're not here, though. Uh, 
because you're in the building. So uh, if you're listening, hey, we love you. If you're watching, we love you as well, and everyone in the building, we love you. So today, uh, if you guys have been with us in this series, you'll see the fancy graphic. I mentioned sex. I mentioned money. It means we have one more counterfeit God that we are going to go through, and that last counterfeit God we are going to go through today is power. We're going to talk about the counterfeit God of power. Now, I think today uh, is going to be, uh, I think, eye-opening for a lot of us because when it comes to power, I think that power is different than money. It's different than sex in the fact that power is often nuanced. And it's not just kind of black and white, uh, specifically the idol of power. And what I mean by that is that the idol of power often is hiding in places that you don't always know. In other words, you may have this idol in your life, but you have no clue. I think this is different than sex and money because for a lot of us, if we struggle with sex, if we struggle with money, we kind of know, like it's, it's there, or it's kind of overt. Uh, when it comes to power and the struggle of power, a lot of us might be like, I don't think that really relates to me. Uh, but what I think is by the end of today, uh, we're going to find out that this struggle when it comes to power uh, is perhaps more relatable to all of us than any message so far. Um, I think the reason that we don't always see it is because power seems like a big word, um, but I think power shows up in three ways. It shows up in control, authority, and influence. Control, authority, influence. Now, what you need to understand about power, and it's been the same with money, it's been the same with sex. Power is not bad. Control, authority, influence are not inherently bad. If you're a boss, you're going to have power. If you're a CEO, you're going to have authority. Right? Even if you're a parent, you're in a position of control. And truth be told, we just sang a song about authority. Jesus has given us all authority. God wants to give us power. So the issue which we have seen in this series is that power uh, in and of itself is not bad. But the issue with counterfeit gods is so often what happens is we take good things and we turn them into gods. And that is where idols are formed. And so kind of my key thought for today, super simple, I think that power can either be a gift from God or it can be an idol that we serve. Power can either be a gift from God or an idol that we serve. Now, the reason that I call this message the pull of power, I like that graphic description because I think when it comes to power, power is like a drug. And what I mean by that is that the more power you have, the more ex you experience it, the more you want it. And the more you kind of just crave it. And the issue is this, although power is not inherently bad, in fact, a lot of power is good. Just, again, talking about the power that God gives us. But even the power that God gives us, because of that pull that I'm going to show us that was in our hearts, even the good power, even the good authority that God wants to give us, we can easily twist it and the good things then turn into idols. And <clears throat> today what I want to do is I want to show us, number one, what is God's plan for power? Why does God want to give us power? Um, and then even more so, how do we twist it? so often. Uh, I was just looking at some statistics this week, and what was interesting, this was uh, 2019, so I'm sure it's either higher or the same today, uh, but in the United States, uh, people aged 13 to 38 years old, 86% of them said that they would like to become an influencer. 86% of people would like to become an influencer. Now, uh, if you're like, well, what is an influencer? Uh, that's the question I'm trying to answer myself. <clears throat> Like Christy, uh, my wife, she follows these people and like they'll have like millions of followers and uh, it's like just, you know, these families, 15 blonde kids, uh, houses just like perfectly modern, uh, so on and so forth. And I'll be like, Chris, like why is this person famous? Like why are millions of people following them? Uh, and she'll be like, I don't know. 
they're an influencer. And I'm like, why do you follow them? She's like, I like the pictures. <laughs> and, and like, so essentially, like what an influencer is, is they have the ability to influence people in whatever it may be. And so if you follow an influencer, you'll know they have all these perfect pictures. And in the midst of the picture, there'll be like a small bottle of lotion. Right? <laughs> be like, uh, this is my family. This is us hanging out on a Sunday. The reason we're so relaxed is because of our new lotion here. <laughs> Click the link in my bio, get 15% off. And so, um, like, what it's saying is that 86% of people said, I would love to be an influencer. And obviously, with an influence comes power. Now, I'm going to be honest. I'd love to be an influencer, too. You want to pay me to post pictures, I will gladly do it. <laughs> but again, and this is kind of the thing, is this wrong? No, it's not wrong to be an influencer, but what I want us to understand about power and where it goes so wrong is that power has a pull. And there is something in our hearts, if we do not keep power in check, the more power we get, something inside of us craves for more. We want more attention. We want more influence. We want more likes. We want more followers, whatever it may be. Power has a pull. And the pull of power is this, and this is what we need to watch out for is that power always pulls inward. And what I mean by that is that power promotes me. Power elevates me. Power promotes me. Augustine, St. Augustine is a famous Christian um, from the first couple centuries of the church. Um, he said this so eloquently, and I think it relates to power. He says, the essence of sin is disordered love. He goes on, he said, it's ultimately a lack of love either for God or for your neighbor. So, so what is sin? Sin is when my loves are disordered. In other words, they're not in the proper place that they should be. And what he is saying, he's saying ultimately as believers, we are supposed to love God and we're supposed to love people. The issue with power is that power does this thing where it flips my heart. I'm meant to worship God. I'm meant to serve people. But the more that I strive after power, the more my heart begins to melt towards me and men towards me. And so Augustine says sin is simply disordered love. So what that means is sometimes I just like the right things in the wrong order. And that's when I begin to celebrate it. And I think what's hard about the power idol um, is that it shows up in almost every area of our life. It's not just one thing. And even more so, I think we live in a culture that celebrates the idea of power and more specifically celebrates the idea of me. We live in a culture that is constantly encouraging us, elevate yourself, take care of yourself, be all about yourself. But what I want to show us today is that the way of Jesus is not about me and the power that Jesus wants to give us does not elevate me. It actually humbles me. So what I want to do is I want to sell, I want to, uh, study, I should say, Philippians chapter 2. And this is a famous kind of passage of scripture. This is written by a man named Paul. And uh, if you've been with us in this series, I believe we've looked at Paul every single week. Uh, he's a writer in the New Testament, wrote the majority of the New Testament. And uh, he says something I think is going to relate to power and most specifically what it looks like to follow Jesus. So Philippians chapter 2 is where we are. Uh, are you guys ready to go? Yeah. It says... Philippians 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness, any compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. 
So I'll give us a little context. Paul wrote this letter, uh, and he wrote this letter while he was under arrest. And at the very end of Philippians chapter 1, he basically kind of talks about like how hard his life is going. Right? He's like, I'm in jail. <laughs> it's not going too well. Um, but then he says, because the question is, like, can you follow Jesus? Things aren't going well. What's up? So he kind of asks a hypothetical question to himself and to his readers. He says, is there any encouragement then with being united, for, with, united with Christ? Is there any comfort in his love? Any common sharing in the spirit? He says essentially this. He says, make my joy complete. In other words, although I'm going through something, what really encourages me and what keeps me going is that when the church, when the followers of Jesus are like-minded, have the same love, are one in spirit, are of one mind. In other words, what he's saying, he's saying the reason I go through whatever I'm going through is so I can see the fruit of it in other people. And the fruit of it in other people is so simple. He's basically saying this. If you belong to Jesus you'll follow the way of Jesus. If I belong to Jesus, I must follow the way of Jesus. And what he's saying, he's saying for him, my joy is made complete when I see people living and following the way of Jesus. There's, there's, Paul has this pastoral heart, and you need to understand this. The heart of a pastor is there's nothing that brings them more joy than when you see people following the way of Jesus. Now, what we're going to see today, and Paul's about to let us know what the way of Jesus is, but the way of Jesus will often move in the opposite direction, specifically when it comes to the traditional uh, and current cultural understanding of power. And so he's about to show us what the way of Jesus looks like, and I'm going to talk about it in the realm of power. So he says, be of one mind, but of one spirit. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interests, but to the interests of others. So, so simple. What is the way of Jesus? The way of Jesus is that I do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I'm humble and I value other people above myself. In other words, I think of other people first. Now, the reason I said, and I said it again, I'm going to say it, I said it before, I'll say it again. The reason this is difficult is this shifts, I think, totally in the opposite direction of where culture shifts. Because we live in this world, this kind of grind mentality that says you need to do more. If you want to build yourself up, think about you first. Don't let anyone get in your way. Whoever is in your way is an obstacle to whatever and wherever you want to go. You got to think about number one, your self-care is most important, so on and so forth. Paul flips it upside down. He says, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests first but to the interests of others. So put so simply, I would say this. The way of the world says, think about me first. And the way of Jesus says, think about others first. Culture says, think about me first. Jesus says, think about others first. And so for me, if I want to be a follower of Jesus, if I want to follow the way of Jesus, one of my prime markers, one of my prime identities is that I value other people above myself. It means my own ambitions, my own goals, my own whatever it may be come second to other people. Now, this sounds good, right? Like, I think we'd all like to be there. Like, I want to value other people. I want to be humble. I want to I do nothing out of selfish ambition. 
Um, and again, this is the way of Jesus. But I, I want to read Romans chapter 7 because I really relate to Romans chapter 7 specifically when it comes to this. This is also Paul. Romans 7.15, he says, I don't understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I love that verse. Because <laughs> you know what he's saying? What he's saying is like, I want to be humble. I want to be kind. I want to put others first. But inevitably, there's something inside of me where I put myself first. Is that relatable to anyone? It's like, I want to live in the way of Jesus, but there's something inside of me. Uh, if we want to use the words of Augustine, there's something inside of me that disorders my love. Where I want to love God first, I want to love others first, but there's just something inside of me where I just cannot stop thinking about me. And so here's what I want us to understand as we get going, is specifically as we talk about the idol of power. If we want to begin to identify the idol in our life, we need to understand the condition of our heart. What I mean by that is this. If you do not believe that you struggle with a power concept, you are more than likely just lying to yourself. Because the thing about power, because it is so big and so grand and shows up in so many different ways, what it means is that it's relatable to so many of us, yet we don't often think of our lives in a deep enough way to understand the idol of power because it's hiding in plain sight many times. I'll try to give you an example to make it make more sense. Um, there's a story I read in a book by, uh, about a guy named James, and uh, James had a reputation uh, of being a womanizer. And so essentially what he would do um, is he would lived in New York City. Um, he would meet multiple women, hook up with said woman, move on, and keep going. That's kind of how you got the <laughs> reputation as a womanizer. And what he found over time uh, was that the more women he was with, um, the less interested he was in even being with them. What really got him going was the chase. Just trying to, trying to, to, trying to meet these people, trying to build relationships with them, trying to have um, certain types of physical interactions with them. But what he would do pretty much as soon as he would cross a certain boundary, um, he would realize I've done all I wanted to do and I'd move on to the next. So again, classic kind of womanizer kind of guy. Um, what happened in James's life was that James met Jesus. Come on, somebody. And uh, yeah, let's go. And what happened when James met Jesus is his life flipped upside down. Because when you meet Jesus, your life should flip upside down. And so the very first thing that James realized in his life, he said, man, I have an issue um, specifically when it comes to women, when it comes to sex. And so James had this idea that the biggest idol in his life was sex. But what happened was James, Jesus flipped his life upside down, and so he became passionate for the Lord. But what happened is that when James uh, began to come into church, uh, he had this, this zeal to volunteer, this zeal to lead Bible studies. But what people realized is that James kind of had this habit. And he had this habit that every single Bible study he went to, every single group he attended, he had this habit of taking over. Where he, no matter what, he would just kind of start leading the study. He would just start to bring his theological insights. And what happened was if anyone tried to challenge James, James would get agitated and upset and even angry. And so what happened over time, and this was so interesting, was that James thought that his idol was sexual in nature. But that wasn't his biggest idol. His biggest idol was power. Because what he actually liked about the whole thing with women was not even being with them, but it was the power that he felt knowing he could get them. And so what happened was this. When Jesus changed his life, he didn't realize he had that deep power complex. And so what he did is he traded women for religion. 
but he did the exact same thing and had the exact same idol. And religion actually can become a place and a really spiritualized place to hide the deepest idols of our life. And so what I'm trying to say to us when it comes to the idea of power is that I need to check my heart. I need to understand, is this something that is deeper in me that maybe I've never thought I struggle with? Is what I'm doing, am I doing it for reasons other than maybe what I originally thought? The thing about power is it is a deep heart issue. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 23. Um, This is kind of one of his most gangster passages in scripture. Uh, He says this, he says, woe to you. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. You need to understand this. This is the religious people of the day. This is the church people of the day. Jesus comes to them and he's like, yo, you guys are like tombs. You you look really nice on the outside. You got the flowers, you got the headstone, but on the inside, you are dead. Here's the thing about power and the idol of power. We can look really good on the outside, but there can be something boiling within us, something insidious inside of us that is actually dominating our very behavior. You see, if there's one thing that makes Jesus angry, it's when the inside doesn't match the out. In fact, if you're struggling on the outside, Jesus is okay with it. What he's not okay with is putting on a friend and pretending everything's okay. And so what we need to do is we need to understand, where does power show up? We said it shows up in this idea of influence, control, authority. Is there something in my life I'm doing where I appear to be virtuous, but maybe there's something deeper going on? Can can we talk about social media for a second? Because we live in a really virtuous world, right? We're like, I should condemn XYZ. I should post about ABC. And when I do that, The question I need to ask myself is so simply, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I actually care? Or am I doing this because everyone will see me? And if everyone sees me do this, then they'll know how virtuous I am. And what we don't realize is that's actually a form of power. It's saying, man, I just want people to know that I'm a good person, that I really care. And maybe it's the same thing when it comes to church. When it it comes to volunteering, if you do something good, does everyone need to know? That's the question we need to ask. If I give someone something, do I have an incessant need that that, that just builds within me where someone needs to know? I need to tell someone. Maybe it's because we have an idol inside of us of power. Paul says again, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I love the word vain because it's connected to vanity. And it's funny because I don't think vanity is a word that we often connect to power, but it's intricately connected to power because what vanity is all about is how I look on the outside. You see, when we talked about money last week, uh, I talked most specifically about debt. And maybe some of us were thinking, like, well, why didn't you talk about, like, overspending? Why didn't you talk about people that, uh, like, you know, buy too many clothes, whatever it may be? Um, I think... Because the issue with with that, and if we struggle with that, your idol isn't so much money as it is power. When it comes to clothing, right, it might not be greed, the reason you buy so much. When it comes to the cars, the houses, whatever it may be, it might not be greed, it might just be power. 
right? I just, I just really want people to compliment me. That's why I bought this car. I just, I just really want people to come. That's why I bought these clothes. And so when Paul says, do nothing out of vain conceit, it's because one of the deadliest forms, I want us to get this, one of the deadliest forms of power is that power manifests itself in the need for approval. Did you get that? Power manifests itself in the need for approval. What I mean by that is this. When we say, do you struggle with power? It's like, no. Do you struggle with the need for approval? Yes. Then you struggle with power. And the reason it's connected to power is because the need for approval is you want people to think about you, look at you a certain way. And that is intricately connected to power. Because if they look at you in a certain way, that elevates me. One of the deadliest forms of power is the need for approval. You see, what's really interesting um, is that the way of Jesus, our life calling, is that we are called to serve people. And so the counterfeit of this is so close. The counterfeit of serving people is living for the approval of people. And a lot of times we can get it twisted because they're so close. But the way of Jesus is we live to serve people. The counterfeit is that we live for the approval of people. It's like I want to love and I want to serve people, but you actually cannot love or serve people if you're constantly trying to get them to approve of you. Because your call first is service, not approval. It's interesting because this shows up um, in my life. One of my life callings, I believe, is to preach the word of God, to preach the Bible. And um, I'm a pastor and, you know, I hope I'm a follower of Jesus, but that does not mean that uh, I don't have a want for people to like me. We all have that want. Just want people to like me. And one of the ways it shows up uh, for me as a pastor um, is specifically the Bible. Now, if, if you're new to the Bible, I'm going to let you know something. Um, if culture is kind of going upstream, the Bible many times is going downstream. And what that means is the way in which most people th do things will come in direct contrast to how Jesus does things. And so what that means is when you open the Bible page after page, passage after passage, if you're going to preach it and teach it faithfully, there's going to be things that people do not want to hear. And that is hard for me because I'm sure, like most of you, I want everyone to like me. I was, I was listening to a little clip, um, I think yesterday, on Instagram, and there's a pastor speaking, um, and I thought he said something so profound. He said, um, the reason that I don't preach in, like, series as much as I just preach through books of the Bible, he's like, because when you preach in series it's easier to skip things that you don't want to talk about. He's like, when you just preach through the Bible, he's like, you're confronted and you have to say it because it's there. Um, and I thought it was so good. And not to say you can't speak in series or anything like that, but if you do it, you have to force yourself to say things you don't want to say. If you just go through a book, the book says what it says. You kind of are confronted with it. And so where I'm going with this, um, I'm just being honest and I'm just going to be vulnerable. Um, in my life, I've been preaching for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. Um, there's been times where I haven't said all that I should say because of the fear of how people might react. And what's interesting is that it's not fear for how they might react to God. It's fear for how they're going to react to me. Last week, we talked about money. And I'm just going to be honest with you, um, money for me is one of the hardest things to speak about. And really, like in the history of our church, three years, that was probably the most in-depth I've gone with finances. And I'll tell you the reason it's hard for me. I'm just being open. Um, I get paid by the church. Uh, if you don't know this, most pastors, in fact, all pastors for the most part get paid by 
the church. And so when we talk about money and finances, there's something inside of me that says, I don't want to talk about money and finances because I don't want people to think that I just want them to pay me. And so a lot of times I've shot away from it because I don't want people to think badly about me because I have a power complex because it's an idol in my heart. And it's really interesting because what you need to understand about power and the reason we chase it, power is always rooted in fear. Every single time, power is rooted in fear. When it comes to me, it is the fear of losing approval. One thing you will find for people, especially those who have a lot of money that cannot stay, stop, making, making, stop making money, is that they will say the reason they grind so hard, even if they're millionaires, billionaires, is because they have this deep-seated fear of poverty. And a lot of times you'll find that the people that are the most successful are those that came from poverty. And what keeps them going is this innate fear of going back there. And what happens is what started out as trying to get out the hood becomes an idol that they begin to serve. It is fear. Power is rooted in fear. And so when it comes to hard things in the scripture, for me, it is rooted in fear. But what is so interesting, Paul says again, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Can I tell you the reason I finally preached and really where this whole series came from? This series was built around money. The sex and power stuff just kind of came after. It was because a couple months ago, I was having conversations with people and I realized there was tons of people in debt. I realized there was young people in debt. I realized there was old people struggling financially. And I just had this, 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 this realization in my spirit that what I was doing out of my vain conceit was actually hurting other people. Because I know for a fact that the Bible speaks about money uh, perhaps far more than most of you guys would even know. And the reason that Jesus speaks so much about it is because it's so important. And so what I was doing as a pastor of this church in my vain conceit, not wanting people to think badly of me, is I was actually withholding truth that could help someone in the long run. Y'all needed to hear Malachi 3, 8 to 10 last week. They said, God wants to bless you if you tithe, but also you're cursed if you don't. You see, what's interesting, and I'm going to connect this in just a second, but I'm going to connect it right now, why this is relevant for all of us. Um, I preach on a stage, and the reason I'm being open and honest with this is because I want us to be open and honest in our lives. Can we just be real? When it comes to what I'm talking about, does this translate like every day to our personal lives? Where it's like, I know what Jesus says. I see people in my life ultimately heading towards destruction, and I feel like I have some answers, but like, I don't want to say it. And a lot of times we spiritualize it, right? Oh, it's a waiting season for me. Um, you know, like when God gives me the go-ahead to, to talk to my coworker, then I'll let him know. Um, but no, I don't talk about church. I don't want, I don't want to offend him. <laughs> but God's, God's going to do something soon. And we really spiritualize it, but what it is, it's just a power complex. And we don't want people to think badly of us because we have this, this need for approval, this constant need for approval. And it was funny when we sing the songs that we sing, uh, about the authority that Jesus gives us. The beauty of authority is this, like we are speaking on behalf of the Father. And so when I speak, why I need to rid myself is because I need to realize I'm not speaking my own. On my own, I can't say much. But when I speak with the authority of Jesus, I'm speaking on his behalf. It is his word, it is his way, not my way. And it is the same in our lives, in whatever it is that we are struggling with, be it a coworker, 
be it a friend. Maybe it's in the classroom. It's like, I just, I can't say this here. This won't fly in my office. This won't fly with my friend group. Guess what? You have authority and it comes from Jesus. And I'm not saying you got to go crazy and slam people in the head with the Bible. But if the places you spend the most, people have no idea who's most valuable to you. I might argue the person that you claim is most valuable being Jesus, maybe he's not as valuable as you think he is to you. Because when Jesus is the center of our lives, it flows out of us. When I'm the center of my life, there's a block. There's a block. And I'm not saying you don't love Jesus. Don't get it wrong. I'm just saying maybe we love ourselves more than we love Jesus. And so that's why we prayed the prayers, Father, less of me, more of you. John the Baptist says, may I decrease Jesus and you increase. That's the prayer we need to pray. Because the epitome of selfishness and the idol of power is like, I'm not going to say something that could save someone in the long run that might make me look bad today. I'm not going to say something that might save me in the long run that might make me look bad today. I wonder if there's moments and people in our lives that are just waiting for you that God placed you for a reason, that God placed me for a reason, that we go there, those walls, those doors have been opened for a reason. And it wasn't for financial gain, it wasn't for influence, but it's for the word of Jesus to be proclaimed. And the beauty of Jesus is so often we're looking for approval, yet Jesus says you're already approved. I want approval so badly, but Jesus says you're already approved. And so I can go into places, I can say things because I'm already approved. And so that's why he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value yourselves above others. And I love this next part. Uh, this is actually really a Christian hymn. Uh, and so this is kind of like the closing song. Uh, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, in being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is really important to understand because Jesus has given us something. He literally says, all power, all authority I give to you. And so the question is, what do we do with the power? How do we, how do we fight against the pull of power? Paul says so simply, you have the same mindset as Christ who being in very nature of God. In other words, he was God. But instead of trying to flex that, he literally laid it down. He made himself nothing. What do I do with the power that Jesus gives me? I lay it down. And I do everything not for myself, but for other people. You see, Jesus laid it down. And it says he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Literally on the cross, if he wanted to. He could have called all of heaven's army. Like, all right, boys, come take me off. I'm out of here. Like, I'm going to show these Roman soldiers who's in charge, who's powerful. But what Jesus truly did is he gave us the ultimate picture of what power is. And ultimately, power in the Christian sense is power given up. Christianity really is power forsaken. For, for, the, for the love of other people, for the needs of other people. It means I no longer think of myself first but others. I'm no longer worried about moving up because I'm not going to move up if it's going to cost someone to move down. I'm not going to compromise what I believe just so I can get somewhere. I'm humbling myself so Jesus can be glorified. Now listen, 
Some of us are like, well, hold on. So I, I can't be a boss. I can't be a CEO. I can't be an influencer. Now you can be all those things. You can make money, but you have a new framework. And power has been given a new framework, and it's simply this. I think of others first. What does it look like to be a great Christian leader? I serve others. What does it look like to be a Christian husband? I serve my wife. What does it look like to be a Christian parent? I serve my kids. Christianity is power forsaken and found in service. It is to serve people. And then look what happens. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, therefore, this is speaking to Jesus. It says, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every other name. It was when Jesus gave up his life that he was exalted to the name above every other name. Can I tell you something? Jesus wants to give us power. He wants to give us authority. He wants to give us dominion. He wants us to walk into places, to have the favor to go into places. But when we get power, we give it up in service, in love, in devotion. And the main way we give it up is that I no longer think about me first. I think about other people. See, the tragedy of fear is that fear is this constant belief that you'll lose something. Yet the gospel of Jesus is actually when you lose that you find. And so many times we're so afraid to lose, yet the gospel is there waiting for us to find what we've been looking for. So I just want to speak to people today because I believe we have a church full of leaders. And so God does not want to give you less power. He does not want to give you less authority. He does not want to let you go um, into places that uh, other people are going. He doesn't want to keep you from those things. But what he does want us to do is he wants us to lay down our life. And so that means the higher I get, the more I serve. That means the more I have, the more I give. The more God gives me authority, the more responsibility I have, the more I steward it well. Because it is in losing my life that I actually find it. And is in losing Jesus' life that God exalted him to the name above every name. That every knee shall bow. Can we stand for a second, church? I just want to pray. Um, and I just want to pray for us. And, and maybe it's a prayer that God reveals some things in our life, some idols. Um, we're wrapped up this series now, and so I just really want us, um, whether it's sex, whether it's power, whether it's money, uh, I want us to put Jesus on the throne, uh, number one in our life. And so um, as we wrap this series up, if there's just anyone in this place and you're just like, man, I want to surrender to Jesus. Um, I've, I've chased those bad things. They haven't got me anywhere. Um, I've chased idols. It's not, it's not got me anywhere. If you just want to just surrender to Jesus today, I'd love to pray for us together. Um, and if you just want to, with every head bowed, every eye closed, could you just raise your hand? Um, I'd love to pray for you, with you. Jesus, I just thank you so much um, for your goodness and for your grace, God. And I just thank you so much for the power that you poured out so that we could find life, God. And Jesus, I just pray, you know our hearts and you know the idols, you know the things that we chase after, the, the things and the approval that we need, Lord. And I just pray that we can lay that down that we can forsake that and find life in you and authority in you, power in you, control from you, Jesus. Uh, we just thank you for what you're doing, God. And I just pray um, just that you continue to work in our lives. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. 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 Come on, can we clap our hands? Thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We'd love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.